Hello and welcome to the G2 podcast. Last October, on the trip of a lifetime, Ben and I were wandering down the high street in Whistler in Canada at 9pm one evening and like the bars were open, the music was playing. So many girls in here. I see this one. I'm not going to sing those actual lyrics because that's... Um, shops are open, postcards on sale. It's like a touristy, you know, it's a busy little place. And then we hear someone, I kid you not, I don't know how I'm going to do this. No, no, we can do it, Han. We're going to make it work. Then we hear someone literally going, go away, bear! Go away, bear! We're like, someone has been indulging in the bars of Whistler this evening. Oh, my days. But as we got closer, we saw this like small group of people like gathered by this fence near some trees, like screening off the street. And this guy walks from that group to us. And this guy goes, oh, man, that was a big bear. We're like, bear. So we, we go over to the fence and we go to this group of people like, what's going, hello, what's going on? Um, <laughs> And the, and the guy with the generic American accent comes and he's like, he's like, look, there he is. He's looking right at you. And we were like, oh, my days. And there, through this fence, about 10 meters away, not even that far away, like as far away as like the back of the, closer than the back of the room, potentially about the back of the room. There was a six foot tall bear stood on his hind legs, paws in the dumpster, Little roundies silhouetted by a streetlight, and his beady eyes are looking right at us. And we're like, <laughs> oh my days. Oh, so some poor guy was on his own, also trapped behind this fence, trying to get rid of this bear by saying, go away, bear. And this bear was ignoring him. Um, so, of course, we left someone else to offer to help out <laughs> with that situation. And we were like, oh, we'd better get out of the way because we want to be in the way of this situation. So we got away from the fence and we wandered back to the high street. And we're like holding hands, going down the high street. Put this down. This is more unwieldy than I thought. And we're like, ah, oh, that was so weird. Reflecting on the encounter with the bear. Good times, all fine. But then we're like, there's not many people around. And we look behind us and there is the bear <laughs> on, on the high street with us, following us kind of awkwardly. <laughs> and we're like, no one's around anymore. The group of people have disappeared. We don't have pots and pans with us. And so we're like, oh my days, what are we gonna do? So we're trying to remember or like the bear aware educational signs that we've seen. We're like, what are you supposed to do when there's a bear following you down a high street? <laughs> and we remember that you're told not to take photographs, not to take selfies, don't get distracted, and, and, and not to run. So what do we do? We ignore that advice. I get my phone out <laughs> and Ben breaks into a run. <laughs> now, sadly, I did not get a selfie because Ben was like, put your phone away. But, but Ben's response did get some kind of reaction from the bear because the bear thought, 
I'll try and keep up with them. And so then the bear is running on all fours and we're trying to remember not to run. So we're doing that awkward fast walk. We're like, we're not running, see? Please don't follow us. So we're doing that, trying not to look him in the eye like he's someone in the supermarket we're trying to avoid, except the person in the supermarket would maul you to death if they caught up with you. So after what must have been like, let's be honest, it was probably about 10 seconds. But we see about, three elderly people up ahead. Oh, thank goodness. And they have read the bear aware signs and they're stood calmly to the side, clapping and making a lot of noise. So again, we did what any honorable citizen would do. And we go behind the elderly people and offer them to the bear <laughs> as a sacrifice whilst they're like clapping, go, Woo -hoo, go away bear, go away bear. Oh, and then the bear comes up and he kind of looks, looks us and them up and down. And he just kind of turns off and slinks off into the woods. Man. So it turns out that making a lot of noise and having pots and pans, mm, that is the way to scare off a bear. Not taking pictures of them or running at them or from them. <laughs> and um, like hundreds of miles further away, like not even in the same place a few days later, Ben and I then went on like this little walk. We're like, we'll go on a hike. That's what you're supposed to do in Canada. And then we, instead of like enjoying the walk or anything like that, again, there was no one around. And we were absolutely terrified because there was this forest and people had said there were a lot of bears around. So we spent the entire time being like, if you're a bear, please don't come out. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. We were like clapping and we were going, "If go away any bears who might be joining us. Um, so we just lost our voices and then we left. We walked for about 10, 15 minutes and then we were like, let's just go back and go and sit in a bar. <laughs> so the, this guy with the pot and pan, I'm going to do it again just for effect. This guy had the right idea, yeah? Making lots of noise scares off bears. It's a good, it's a good shout. But think about it. I was reflecting on this. How is noise the scariest thing that a bear would encounter? Like in the human world. Isn't that bizarre? Like surely like... The size and scale of buildings is scary or like barbed wire fences or eating garbage like that could actually kill it. But that's that's like surely a bit more scary. But noise is the scariest and most overwhelming thing it can face. But for us as people, we talk about silence as deadly, don't we? We don't think about noises as scary. We find noise comforting. Like Ben and I in that forest going, please don't come out there. That's comforting to us. And that got me thinking, we live in a really noisy world, as demonstrated this morning with the fire alarm. It is a constant sensory overload, isn't it? The noise of our world is overwhelming for us as well as for bears. We are bombarded with information all the time. And life is full of noise. It's with adulting and parenting and the demands of work and the voices of all the different people in our lives, of our bosses and of our friends, the voices of advertising being like, you need more stuff, you need more stuff. Like people that, on, that we hear online or at church, the voices that then go into our heads because that's just the external noise, isn't it? Like actually there's the internal noise within us. 
the worries that we carry, the fears, worrying about our lives or worrying about our relationships, replaying awkward interactions over and over again and being like, was I weird in that? Should I have said that? Um, Fantasizing about being like, I'm going to say exactly what I think to that person next time I see them and then not. Um, Like fantasizing about the perfect life, the perfect relationship, um, like the, the daydreaming, even just like problem solving and planning out your day, planning out your week. Um, like our, that's overwhelming enough, the noise inside our heads. And that's before we even start listening to the wider world. I guess we've just got used to it. We're used to this noise. We're used to the entertainment on tap. We've become so accustomed to it that we find it comforting and we find stillness and quiet unnerving. And when we feel overwhelmed by the noise of the world or the noise within us, what do we do? I think we just change the channel. I think we just distract ourselves. And what we try and do is drown one noise out with some different noise that we prefer. So like during the pandemic, I was like, I'm going to stop listening to the news because it's really overwhelming. So I just watched loads of Netflix and YouTube instead. (laughs) Um, Or when you feel overwhelmed by the noisiness of your thoughts, we just turn up the volume on the external noise. Like you feel anxious, so you've had a difficult day. It's like, have a little scroll on Instagram or stick on the TV. We use noise to comfort and distract ourselves, even when the cause of our overwhelm is the sheer amount of noise in our lives. In 2020, In Britain, we spent a daily average of five hours and 40 minutes every day looking at screens, like, but not for for work, for fun. (laughs) So like for TV or um, like scrolling or online content. That's like a third of our waking hours. But I bet you guys are like, come on, Holly. That was during the pandemic. We're all in lockdown. So we're all on our screens all the time. Of course, guys, 2021, there was a reduction, don't worry, of 25 minutes. (laughs) So we're still spending over five hours a day in 2021. But again, there was like still some measures in place. We're all at home a lot, weren't we? So last year, it didn't even go down, guys. (laughs) Like that's just how long we spend looking at stuff on screens for fun. More than five hours a day. So I feel tired and overwhelmed and burnt out. So I'm just going to add to that average because I don't think 17 years of my life is long enough to be entertained (laughs) life can feel so mundane and tricky and full-on and busy or anxiety producing that I think we don't even want to be present to it anymore and so our way of resting or a way of living is to escape into someone else's world, to numb ourselves with entertainment and to drown it out with distraction. Some of us can't even bear to be alone with our thoughts for the time it takes to go to the bathroom. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm not saying this in some tirade against technology. Um, And because actually for some of us, it isn't even technology that's the thing that's the distraction in our lives. That isn't the thing that we're using to comfort ourselves against this internal and external noise. What what is it for you? I'm just saying technology because that's the classic one. What distractions do you go to when the noise of life gets to you? 
why don't you take two minutes and it's two minutes only just have a quick chat with the person next to you you might just want to think in your head that's okay but have a little chat um, with someone near you what are the what are the distractions that you go to when the noise of life gets to you go it's not that life can't be busy or life can't be full or even noisy but as as you think about all of that noise inside and out how much louder is that noise than the voice of God in your life are your distractions and the things you go to when you want to comfort yourself, are they more real to you than Jesus is? How much does that noise distract us from being present to what's important? Not even important, what's actually vital in life. Some of us are living life from one distraction to another. We're like skimming the surface and we're doing this to an extent that it's actually becoming the pattern of our whole lives. We're distracting ourselves away from our creator and the source of all life. We're distracting ourselves away from the purpose for which we're actually alive. We're numbing ourselves to real life, to real faith. And we're like reverse training our minds and hearts to adore entertainment or whatever distractions it is that you named over our creator, over Jesus. We spend like five hours a day or more drinking in whatever the world decides to throw at us. And then we wonder why we can't sense God's presence in the few minutes that we remember him or the hour that we spend at church on Sunday. Can we escape the noise? Should we escape the noise? Is the only way to not fall foul of this to become like a recluse? Is it like, right, so we're going to throw our phones on the campfire tonight and we're going to quit our jobs and stop listening to everyone else? (laughs) That's not the answer, guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) There is a way forward because there must be another way forward. And the way forward today is through Psalm 46. God, Yahweh, has the answer. He knows all about your noise and he is going to speak over it. If you don't have a paper Bible, don't bother looking it on your phones because you'll only get distracted. Put them away. You can look at the screen for the passage. Don't think we don't know what you do on a Sunday. Look, it's on the screen, guys, or you can look at a paper Bible. Um, All right, let's read together. God is our refuge and strength. Oh, you're reading it with me. I actually didn't mean that. But you know what? I love that people went with me. So let's do it together. Come on, pals. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. 
He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Thanks, guys. Wouldn't you have loved it if that was like 20 slides long and you were all reading it with me? <laughs> I just kept going. Ugh. So this is ancient Hebrew, Hebrew, Hebrew poetry, excuse me. So if at first glance you don't feel really familiar with it, that's okay because we're not ancient Hebrews. Um, so it's not going to jump off the page and make complete sense at first. So it's a poem, it's a worship song, so it's full of rich imagery and symbolism. It's got patterns and uses really specific, meaningful language to convey the message. And it's not just about conveying a message. It's not like, what is it saying? But it's the writer's trying to put us in the middle of it. It's trying to help us feel their feelings and through this art form, be able to tap into their experiences like this 360 painting all around us. So we're going to go through it bit by bit so you can understand it a bit more. We start with the idea that God is our refuge and strength. So that's like a picture, isn't it? Um, it's like a metaphor. God is a refuge, a safe place, yet he's also our strength. So he's the power that sustains us, like an energy that we rely on to keep going. An ever-present help in trouble. He is ever-present with us all of the time. And he helps us in trouble. He doesn't leave us when things get tough. But also notice the idea that it's not like if we're in trouble, if you ever happen to come across trouble in your life, it's like there will be trouble. It's happening, guys. <laughs> but God is an ever-present help with you. So it's like an assumed sense that there is trouble with us. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. So there's these mountains that are falling into the deepest depths of a roaring animalistic sea and the sea is surging up and shaking the mountains. So there's this picture of total chaos and instability. The biggest forces of the earth are tearing each other up. Huge, foundational, ancient mountains being shook to their core by these threatening, noisy waters that are swallowing up everything in their wake like a predator. So the writer is saying that everything is unstable. There is noise and chaos everywhere. Not even the ground beneath you can be relied upon. Rough seas throughout the Bible are like this uh, metaphor that the writers like to draw upon, which represented chaotic forces, not only of nature, but also of evil, um, either spiritual evil or, or human evil. Um, and then we go into, in contrast with this churning sea of chaos, there's a river, that calm, steady, bringing food and water that protects the city. If you think that would have been a source where people could uh, fish and they could drink water and they'd be protected um, from different attacks. And the city that they're talking about is the city of God. It makes the whole city glad. So there's this tamed version of those roaring seas. It can be controlled and ruled over by God and he can channel those waters so that they can sustain and benefit us to the holy place where the most high dwells. So God is with it. When it's saying like God is within her, that's the city. It's not a specific person. Um, so God dwells with his people at this time by dwelling in their temple, in their city. But that's true for us now in the sense that he dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. The city is talked about as her because it's like a city of people rather than it. So it's like God is within her because the city is a big, big, you know, big settlement of people. So she will not fall. And remember that falling like mountains into the sea, 
like um, falling to an or, or like falling to an enemy or falling under attack, that kind of thing. So we're back into this context. See, we've had this nice smooth river. Then we're back into like this idea of, oh, she will not fall. Could she fall? Um, we're back into this idea of being under attack. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. So we're back in the idea of chaos and destruction. And like those roaring seas, we're jumping between like God is a refuge and a safe place back to chaotic imagery. And both are like slammed up against each other. Um, We keep looking at God as our strength. And then we keep looking at the roaring seas and we keep going back and forth. And here, the nations, it's not just nature that's in chaos. It's not just creation that is roaring, but actually human entities and systems and structures of power are rising and falling, um, kingdoms falling. So not only is nature not permanent, but neither is humanity. Neither is our power. And it's compared to God who lifts his voice. The earth melts. So nothing can stand up to the voice of God. He speaks a word and all ceases. Then we're reminded again in the next verse, looking back to God, the Lord, Yahweh, as we've been learning in our series, is with us, the God of Jacob. Um, When it says the God of Jacob, Jacob is the other name. Um, uh, It was the name of the forefather of Israel, which is his other name. So um, it's like the father of the nation. Um, the the writer is reminding us and themselves that it's not just any old God who um, is for them and faithful to them. It's the God of their ancestors, Yahweh, uh, the God who's been faithful from generation to generation, who's our fortress. And um, a fortress is like like an upgrade from a refuge. It's like, not only is it a safe place, it's like an impenetrable place in battle. So it's like they're protected. Um, It's strong. So God is that for the writer and and he's that for the nation that the writer is writing on behalf of, and he's that for us. Come and see what the Lord has done. So the writer now asks us to draw our attention to like, look, God has actually done it. This is not just a thing in abstract. Come and look at it. The desolations he's brought on the earth. That's a bit of a weird one because you think, like I don't really like thinking about desolations. Um, But this is, think, remember the wider context. This is a, a context of trouble, of chaos, of everything's an uproar, everything's, ah. And then you look at the next bit, he talks about God makes wars cease. So he's, it's, this is the context of, of like death and destruction and battle. So God bringing desolation on war, on the forces of destruction, the desolation of all weaponry and all those chaotic forces, that actually is a a good thing. So he breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he brings desolation on those forces and, and God intervenes and brings peace everywhere. And then all of a sudden, So we've seen all that. We've kind of been like, there's a city, there's the sea, there's chaos, there's God's good and there's battles, all this stuff. Then God speaks directly. And so all of a sudden his voice breaks through. It doesn't say, um, God says about himself um, that we should think about being still. It's like God literally speaks in the psalm. So we hear his voice breaking through those pictures and symbols and speaking over creation. God says, be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So it's saying, be still, roaring, noisy seas and chaotic nature. Be still, God's people. Be still, wars and enemies and attacks. Be still, all nations, all kingdoms, all people. And know that he, Yahweh, is God. Humans are not God. Nature is not God. Power and chaos 
are not God. Yahweh is. Jesus is. And he is exalted. He is above everything and everyone. The message paraphrase is really good um, on this verse 10. It says, step out of the traffic. Take a long, loving look at me, your high God, above politics, above everything. And then we come back at the end to like a chorus, which is repeated. You can see it's a couple of times. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Okay. I'm going to read the psalm over you. And this time, don't read it with me. <laughs> um, I'm going to read it over you. And, um, and I, I want you to think about like, the intention of the writer. He wants to, paint, or she, wants to paint this picture around you to put you in the middle of this like, event and this experience of God, an experience of life. So you might want to shut your eyes. Um, you might just want to get a little bit comfortable. And allow the psalm to do as it intended. Allow Jesus to speak through it. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Yahweh Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What does it mean to be still. The command to be still and know recalls a time which would be etched into the minds of every Israelite. It's a calling card for an event that shaped their identity as a nation and as God's people. The Psalms, which are their worship songs, are one of the ways that they would collectively remember the amazing things that God had done for them and for their ancestors. So to say be still to an Israelite would bring connotations of the stories of their parents and their parents, 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 and how, how God had fought for them. And um, most clearly, and like this seminal event in their identity is in Exodus chapter 14, in the story of their escape from slavery. So they are in this situation, they're hemmed in by the sea. There's the sea again, ah, imagery. And then they're also hemmed in by the elite armed forces of Egypt, 
war and battles. Ah, these writers knew what they're doing. Um, and they're, these guys are hunting them down to re-enslave them or kill them. So they're, they're panicking because they're trapped between the deadly force of nature and the deadly forces of human evil and spiritual evil. Where do they go? What do they do? And this is where we find them in Exodus chapter 14. So as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, who's the Israelite leader, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. What a, what an instruction. What a thing to ask of people when there's an army coming towards them. Then God instructs Moses and he empowers him to part the Red Sea. And the Israelites walk through the seabed. The sea is like a wall on either side. And they, are, they walk through it to safety. And the Egyptians follow them in and then they're swept away by those waves. So back in the psalm that we've been looking at, when God speaks the whole earth and commands it to be still, the psalm is hyperlinking to a time when God literally fought for his people. He brought down the forces of evil to rescue Israel from slavery when the odds were more than stacked against them. So being still here is like a whole mix of things. The roaring waves of chaos being still is for them to be tamed and under the control and sovereignty of God, like that river. And like when Jesus calms the storm, if you remember that story, the human armies and forces of evil being still are God's peace intervening, wars ceasing across the whole earth. There being peace and God destroying those forces. For God's people to be still, it's for them to wait for him, to take refuge in him, to watch him fight for them rather than them trying to do it themselves or surrendering. For God's people, it is standing firm to see the deliverance Yahweh will bring today, needing only to be still. We often misdiagnose what's going on for us. I think we register that we feel overwhelmed or we feel burnt out and all that noise and all that stuff in our lives. And so we just end up replacing noise in here for noise out there or vice versa. We like put these boundaries in um, only to protect more time for us to make ourselves more accessible to more noise we we put in boundaries so we can watch more netflix and scroll on our phones more more noise more more distraction and we think that a good rest is a night on the sofa or a shorter to-do list rather than getting to the heart of the issue we're surrounded by a world that is ever-changing and unstable like quaking mountains. We are filled with thoughts and feelings that are ever-changing and unstable, like roaring waves. The noise of life outside and in makes us deaf to the voice of God and it drowns out the one input we most need. 
So what does this have to do with being still? Let's look at that scene in Exodus again, where the Israelites, remember, are trapped between the sea and the army. Um, and there's no option for them to, be, to switch off from the circumstances or to like turn down the volume on the roaring waves or the roaring army. They can't just wipe their minds or wipe their fear away. They can't just be like, do you know what? We'll just sit quietly and contemplate God's goodness despite their circumstances. Um, they can't fight the armies that are encroaching upon them or somehow swim through the roaring waves with all their possessions and animals and children. And they're more than knackered from um, the, the life experiences that they've had. Let's see what they're actually doing. Stand firm, Moses says. Do not be afraid. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Lord will fight for you. So the being still here is in order to see the deliverance the Lord will bring, to see how he will fight for them. They are to stand firm, not in order to fight themselves, but to stand firm in having faith for God to save them. And it's not being still as in like, take a rest. Like God's not that insensitive. Um, it's not resting. It's like, I, I will embody my trust in God. I will let him fight for me. I will not do anything which is against that trust and faith in him. I'm just going to watch him go for it. I'm going to, but I'm going to stand firm. I'm not going to sink to my knees. I'm not going to run into the waters. I'm not going to run around in a circle. I'm not going to surrender to the Egyptians. I'm going to stand firm and watch God. And we are surrounded by chaos and noise. And some of you here feel trapped between the circumstances of life and your own issues. And you feel like you've got one on either side closing in. And as I, as I would always say to us, for some of us actually being still and God is actually calling you to take more rest, um, to spend more quiet time with Jesus. I'm not denying that. But that's only some of us. I think sometimes we're like, ah, oh, that's the only answer. No, that's only some of us. For all of us, we need to learn how to stand firm. We need to be still in trusting God and watching him deliver us. We need to be still instead of being distracted. How do we do it? So we can't just stop everything. I think we have to read the whole sentence. Be still and know that I am God. Not just be still, put my feet up. <laughs> um, if we just sweep the house clean or we just empty out our schedule, which is pretty much impossible anyway, I think more noise will just come and fill it. More distractions will just come and fill it. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to learn his voice and listen to him. In the psalm, there's this realistic look at life. Remember at the beginning, like trouble is a given. Trouble is a, an obvious circumstance um, that we can't avoid. It's about a change in our priorities and perspective, focusing on Jesus as the author and perfecter of our faith, running the race of life towards him. So it might be changing our habits. Instead of turning to distraction or noise for hours every day, we look to Jesus, we pause to acknowledge his presence with us, we let ourselves be bored, we let ourselves stop. Um, it might be recalling the good things he's done for us or recalling a different um, piece of scripture or a prayer. It's recognizing in life where we feel most alive and most free and not only thanking God for those things, but looking for him in that. It's not all about sitting still and meditating. It's fixing our eyes on him in everything we do, acknowledging him, knowing that he is present, looking for where he is and what he might want to say to us and do in us, despite all the noise and chaos of life. That changes how we rest. 
changes how we do community, to pay, changes how engaged we are at church and how we think and how we work and how we live. Um, there's a bit in uh, Ephesians where it talks about the armour of God. And um, there's this really interesting bit about the shield of faith, which extinguishes the flaming arrows of the enemy. And um, in the past, when they had uh, wars where they would like shoot flaming arrows towards each other, it's not necessarily because they actually wanted to set specific people on fire. <laughs> if you think about it, why would you shoot? Why would you set it on fire before sending it? It's because you want to like create chaos and like stuff to kick off like in the other army's camp, right? Because if you can shoot a flaming arrow, it doesn't matter whether you hit or not. It's going to like hit this thing and then it's going to set on fire and then they're going to scatter and they're going to be distracted. So the main purpose of the flaming arrow is to distract. So when we're told that we have the shield of faith, which extinguishes the flaming arrows of the evil one, it's talking about the faith that extinguishes distraction as well as attacks. And I think sometimes we're like, ah, oh, like Megan's talk last week on Sunday, we, we were thinking about um, how we live in a spiritually charged world. We live in a spiritually contested place. And I think sometimes we think, oh, and that's when bad things happen. No, that's when you get your phone out. Actually, like what the enemy wants more than anything else, because when you are in Jesus, you cannot be taken away from him. You cannot be destroyed. So what can the enemy do is he can distract you away from your purpose. He can distract you away from actually living your life so that you can spend years or even decades realizing that you've just been going from one entertainment piece to one coffee with a friend to work to just mindlessly working your way through life without actually living or actually engaging with Jesus what the enemy is hoping is that you'll just spend those cursory few minutes a week and being like I don't really connect with Jesus maybe I'll just kind of throw the towel in because if he can distract us into destruction, we'll just do all that work ourselves and he won't need to. The flaming arrows of the evil one are flying around our heads and we're like, we're waiting for bad things to happen when actually we're just distracted looking at this stuff which is more interesting or a little bit more satisfying in the moment. We're missing out on what Jesus has for us. We're missing out on the purpose that he's holding for us. We're missing out on healing. We're missing out from experiencing fullness of life. And that is not like life being perfect, but fullness of knowing him, getting to be close to his heart, hearing his voice, because we're allowing this crap to distract us. So there might be distractions in your life and noise that you've been comforting yourself with in your day to day that you need to sort out stuff that you thought was, "Eh, it's kind of okay. And actually you're thinking, maybe actually there are too many voices that are more familiar and way louder than the voice of Jesus to me. And that's the case for, that's me included. Maybe you've realized that you're living from distraction to distraction. And instead of fixing your eyes on Jesus, which helps us to become like him, which helps us to follow him, you've slipped into just living in this chaos and this noise. So for you today, it might be what distraction are you going to put down as of today? Even if it's a nice one or a good one. What perspective are you going to pick up instead? What, What could you pick up instead? So there might be something that you want to apply there. But today, actually, this weekend, this day is the opportunity 
to step out of the traffic and to know that Yahweh is God. He is here. The same God that we read about in the psalm. He's not like diluted down or different. The God of the universe is genuinely excited to spend time with you. He's been waiting. He's like, oh, if I could just have your attention. Just by turning up today, you're tiptoeing on the edge of being still. It's not quite enough like to, to just turn up, but you're on the edge of getting to be still, to stand firm and know him. But you have a choice whether to fully step in now. Are you going to spend this precious time and this sacred opportunity that we've not even done before? It's like a once a year thing, probably. Um, are you going to spend this opportunity away from the tra traffic of life that we've carved out here? Are you going to spend that still being distracted, still with your head listening to the noise of what's out there and what's in here? Or are you going to be still? Are you going to step out of the traffic? Are you going to shut off the distractions? Because God is already present and waiting. We often sing and pray like, would you be here with us? But I'm like, he's already here and waiting. It's us who aren't present to him. Because our minds and our hearts are elsewhere. So what might Jesus want to say to you today? How might he renew your mind and refresh your soul if you just let him? How might he bring real comfort, real healing? instead of what we've been turning to. Jesus, we acknowledge the noise and chaos of the world around us and within us. We need your peace. We need another way forward, Jesus. Show us how to live the lives that you have given us. Stop us from living from distraction to distraction. Would we be more aware of you than of any of that noise? Amen. We go again, my mind racing And I can't seem to win All these crazy thoughts and feelings It's like it never ends I hear your voice Break through my noise I know I'm not alone Not alone Away with the distractions I wanna hear what's true and The only words that matter That come from you I'll just be quiet And let you speak through the silence Here I am, no more hiding You are in this moment Quiet
Cause tomorrow's in your hands I can trust you with my future Cause you're already there I hear your voice Speak through my noise And I know I'm not alone Not alone Away with the distractions I wanna hear what's true The only words that matter They come from you I'll just be quiet And let you speak through the silence Here I am, no more hiding You are in this moment, I won't fight it I'll be quiet Be still in your presence.